So the truth of the matter is, I have thoughts, and my wife is out with my father-in-law running some errands, so I feel like I have a moment to express them, but they're scattered. I mean, they're so scattered. One of the things that I'm uh, very much obsessed, I guess, with thinking about lately is the effect of technology on our attention spans. Not just our attention spans, but just the quality of our attention. And one of the things that I have been saying for years, and I'm just basically copying off of smarter people than me, but is that the quality of one's attention is the quality of one's life. And so you should guard your attention, prioritize it, really think about how you use it. Not just how you use it, but how it's affected by the things that you do, how it's affected by your environment, how it's being manipulated by society and technology companies and ideologies and cultural conditioning, everything, because really, in the end, that's really all you have is the quality of your attention. And when you have free, open, clear attention, you have everything. That's what being in the present moment is. That's what enjoying your life is. It's, uh, it just comes down to that. To me, that's all the spirituality is. That's all psychological health is. That's all any of it is. And uh, and so, like many others, I've noticed a degradation in the quality of my attention because of the things that I do, the way that I deploy it, how I'm engaging with uh, everything around me and it's it's crept in and I've, I'm obviously aware of it I've been complaining about it on this podcast for years it seems and yet I haven't really committed to upending this pattern and uh, it really has to do with constantly taxing my attention constantly tethering it to the consumption of content, usually digital content of some kind. There's been a tipping point in recent years where uh, there's now just an infinite amount of good stuff. There used to be limits on how much I would indulge in distraction because there's just only so much good stuff. And then you'd notice, well, okay, now I'm just listening to shit or I'm watching shit. There's no reason for me to um, continue this um, content consumption because there's just not anything good. And so once you ran out of the good stuff, then you go out and look at the stars or get some sun or do some creative thinking. 
but there's been such a proliferation of content that, you know, it's not like in the 2006 or whatever when the show, uh, what the hell was the name of that show? Six Feet Under and, you know, The Sopranos, you know, HBO had these super high quality TV shows and just wasn't that many of them. You might not even have HBO or you'd have to wait for it to come out on, you know, DVD or something. And once you finished it, you know, there, it's not like you just jump back into the next amazing thing because there just wasn't really anything that was that good. Now there's just so much good stuff. And I don't even watch TV. I don't have HBO. Whatever the good TV series are, I haven't watched them in years. Um, because I'm already stuck on the other infinite portals of content that are out there. There's so many good podcasts now. As someone who I really like audio and I, I like podcasts and you find a really good one, you subscribe to it. You find another really good one, you subscribe to it. And you have certain ones that are that you don't want to miss an episode. And that's okay if you only have a few of them and it it kind of fell, fits into your your lifestyle. But now there's just so many of them that you could just fill your entire life with nothing but listening to podcasts. Good ones. You know, things that are worth listening to, but um, then there'd just be no time for anything else. And even though um, I do a lot of multitasking, I'll listen to a podcast when I'm washing the dishes or doing chores. There's Sometimes you've just had enough. I mean, you can't have creative thinking you can't have a creative moment when you're constantly consuming. So that consumption uh, creation balance is so off. Just with me, I'm sure with a lot of people, you're just consuming, 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 but you're not creating. And if you're consuming all the time, you just don't have the... You can't engage in the process that is the creative process. Um you know, I used to go for these long walks. You didn't have earbuds, and you certainly you wouldn't want to have them in your ears. You want to be listening to a podcast when you're wandering around town, because that's when your your mind is free. That's when your thoughts are percolating, and you're you're kind of finding out what it is that's bouncing around in there, and it has a chance to grow and change and develop. Only because you're giving it that space, your attention is is comported in a certain way when you're in that creative moment. And if you're consuming all the time, you just can't do that because it's in it's in a different mode. It's this kind of like with intermittent fasting. I don't know if there's really anything to it, but one of the theories is if you're constantly in digestion mode, you're just always eating snacking, you're always eating, your body's always processing food, you're never allowing it to click into a whole different mode of physiology, a mode of processing that we evolve to spend time in. You know, there's always, the human body is not meant to be constantly processing food. There's got to be times when you're, you're in this other mode where you're, you're hungry, you're um, yeah, you just you switch over to this other mode. I forgot the term for it, but people that know about the science of intermittent fasting, there's there's an actual physiological sort of switch 
where you go from processing food and and the chemical processes and biological shit that's going on to this whole other mode. And when you're in that second mode, you're like burning fat and burning sugar in this totally different way because your body is free to do all those things because it's not taxed by the consumption process. And yeah, I think our our attention is very much like that. When it, If you're only in consumption mode, you're never not allowing your brain to switch into this more creative mode. And we're just not meant to process this much information. And that's what I find. It's like there's always another good podcast. Well, you know, if I have a spare moment, I cram another one in there. And, oh, I'm going to wash some dishes. I'll cram another one in there. Because if I don't listen to it, you know, then it's going to pile up in the next episode. You know, And um, I don't know. It's easy for me to fall into this trap. So it's just not good. And I just know it because I'm not, I'm just not as creative. I'm not as sharp. I'm not as present. Something is wrong. Um, and I don't know how it is for younger people who are just born into this weird world. And if you just adapt to it differently when you're young, but I think there's something to do with, you know, how humans have evolved. Um, you know, the last 30 years just can't change the way human bodies and brains are because we evolved over, you know, a gazillion years and the change, the exponential change in technology and our, our attentional environment is so recent. There's no time, there's no time for really evolution to happen on that scale. We just adapt and there's a cost. I mean, the benefit is, you know, there's all this cool stuff. Um, the downside is, uh, we're just awash in it. It's hard to get anything done. And you think about it on a societal level. You're just wondering, are the, is this next generation going to be that productive and creative? Because if I'm right about this and this constant consumption thwarts the creative process, then who's going to come up with, you know, the, uh, you know, the next big thing or the next creative leap, this next scientific discovery, the next brilliant theory? And I know there's a lot of cultures out there, but it seems like this is becoming more and more of a universal thing. I'm also reminded of, uh, there's this guy, again, some more content I'm consuming. His name is Gerwinder, Gerwinder Bogle. He's got a Substack. He's a very interesting guy. And he wrote this piece and I don't take any notes for this shit. So I'm not going to be able to just probably think about it offhand, but it has something to do with like, a weapons of mass distraction metaphor where uh, he's describing TikTok as a, you know, a weapon that the Chinese have deployed against us to, you know, rot our attention basically. And he talks about how in China, the version of TikTok they have is, you know, promoting scientific stuff and, you know, science and STEM fields and astronauts. And they have, uh, limits on how long kids can consume it each day and shut it off at certain times. And you only can do it for like 45 minutes a day, but they export the shit version of TikTok to us. And I think the, the notion is that they, they kind of realize that it's going to, it's going to rot all of our brains. And, um, then they're gonna, they're gonna eat our lunch when it comes to 
you know, the competition for scientists and innovation and that kind of thing. And I'm not really sure how true that is, but I don't know. Like I, I work in a school with kids and there are some amazing kids, but I just, I do still worry that, uh, where we've been performing this societal wide experiment on our children's brains and there's going to be some pros and cons, but I think the cons are, are pretty huge. So yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I'm obsessed with this topic because I feel like it's life and death for me in the sense again, that the quality of one's attention is the quality of one's life. I'm 52 years old now and I don't, you know, I want to increasingly be present and feel alive and feel, um, that certain sparkle and clarity of attention that I think is just at odds or it's incompatible with this, these consumption patterns. So obviously I have to, I have to break the patterns and that's why when I podcast, you know, that's part of what I'm doing because I'm in creation mode. I'm in expression mode and I've been, I've had a few days off cause I do work at an elementary school. We get these random four or five day weekends just for no reason, which is awesome. And then I'm in my studio and I'm just, I get in these modes where I feel like I could spend months just sitting in here creating and playing music and learning songs today. And last night, I've been learning this song called Life According to Rachel by Madison Cunningham. I've been aware of her for a while, for several years now. She was, you know, doing these cover songs on YouTube. Again, more content consumption. And uh, I was just amazed. Like, she would just be sitting, you know, very sparse arrangements, just her playing a guitar and very well-miked. And of course she can play great and she sings like an angel and it was just incredible. And then I was inspired by this, like, wow, I mean, all you really need is a good microphone, good performance, and you don't, you just don't need all this, these gadgets and studio trickery. And what's produced is mesmerizing and she'd do duets and cover songs and, and then she's been putting out original albums and I think she just won a Grammy for this last album that has this song on it, Life According to Rachel, and it's um, obviously a song about loss, and I, I believe she said that it's about her grandmother passing away during the pandemic, and it's just so, I don't know, it's just what I love about music. It's sparse, beautiful. She has a, a way of approaching music that is inspiring to me. She played this song in open or standard C tuning, so you like take the standard tuning of a guitar and you're tuning it way the hell down, which actually I have a guitar in that tuning. And I tend to play in D standard these days to sort of suit my voice. And But she comes up with all these unique chord voicings and rhythm patterns and and all of that's super complicated. But the song itself is this just very simple, sparse, beautiful uh, melody and It's another song about death and loss and life a few years ago now. I don't know. I have no sense of time, but I discovered that song by the Avid Brothers, which is, um, I can't even remember the name of the song. When my body won't hold me anymore and it finally 
sets me free. Will I be ready? Whatever that song is. Um, it is another song about death and loss. It's just no hard feelings. That's it. It's just incredible. And I discovered that through uh, a conversation. Again, content consumption. The positives of content consumption. Um, yeah, Rick Rubin was being interviewed. I can't even remember exactly by who. Um, and he talked about, he was asked about like a magical moment in his production career. And he talked about this, the Avett brothers performing the song, No Hard Feelings in the studio, more or less live and how it was just, they just nailed it. And the feeling in the room was like, oh my God something just happened. So I heard him talking about this and then I went and I just was curious. So I listened to the song and, and it just, yeah, it struck me immediately as like, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my whole life. I became obsessed with it, had to learn it and I'm singing it constantly. I'm still doing it. However, if it was a year or two ago. So this life, according to Rachel is just another example. And I continually, I do discover. So I mean, I guess mindful consumption. I mean, what are we, now I'm now I'm into the positives of it. I have discovered incredible stuff uh, through the internet and YouTube, and there are creators out there that are inspiring. But God, you have to put the guardrails on there. You have to put limits. You have to make sure that you're not consuming any shit. Um, and I do have a you know enough money now where I I pay for the youtube premium and i pay for premium everything to not have to listen to ads but uh yeah so it is an amazing time to be alive if you're privileged enough to have money and live somewhere where life is good right now um but we don't have a lot of practice managing this information overload and I just think it's going to get kookier. I mean, I'm sure people out there have been hearing about this chat GPT and various machine learning algorithms and AI and just how quickly everything's moving and the, the implications of um, tethering this new technology to the business incentive models of like attention capture, which is pretty much the whole internet. And it's frightening. It seems like more than ever, you have to have this like digital hygiene or these skills to manage your attention in the, in the modern world, because it's going to get kookier where you're just going to be inundated by, I mean, we already are like different bots and things. You're not going to know ever when you're listening to, or when you're seeing text, you just going to have to assume this could not be a real person. And phishing scams and, and different different scams are going to become so much more elaborate because they're going to be composed and um, they're going to be like AI things that are just assaulting you and trying to reel you in and make you think that it's a person and, uh, you know, take advantage of the human need for social affiliation and social connection and just exploit that with more and more realistic language models that are assaulting you. And, and every it's just going to be leveraged in all these insane ways. Like when you have YouTube channels and social media things where your follower account 
their follower count is something that gets you more ad revenue or whatever, then you're just going to have all these fake bot followers. When you have, when you have to have an engaging comment section to like boost your profile, right? You're going to just have all these fake bots in the comment section generating discussion and it's not even going to be real. And, uh, yeah, we're just, we're in for a wild ride when it comes to all this stuff. And then you also have, you know, the Dolly program where the, you know, AI generated art, AI generated music, deep fakes, all this shit. It's, um, it's weird because it's all just, uh, insubstantial in some way. Like if there was a solar flare or some crazy thing or the power grid was knocked out and all this technology went away, it feels like you'd just be waking up as if taking off a virtual reality helmet and stepping out into the world. And uh, we really are getting closer to the Matrix when we're in our Matrix pods. And um, yeah, I don't know. Finding that balance is tough to be able to uh, enjoy the positives of living in this modern world and being able to communicate with each other and, but also not have our attention get just bowled over and just completely taken over. So I don't know. I've been thinking about redoing my, um, integral health resources website and, and sort of re tweaking it, to just focus on this attention angle. Um, it really is, you know, I guess it's an integral attention model or just thinking about attention from every angle, you know, the societal, the cultural, the individual, the subjective, the objective, the collective. Um, so, I mean, I think in a way that's, it's just a fundamental thing. Like I look, I'm looking at these days of, uh, you know, there's so many competing ideologies and politics and the news media, and it just all comes down to attention. It's a, sele- uh, the news media is just a selective attention machine where depending on the, the incentives and the, and the agenda, uh, different news media will just draw from the absolute infinite number of things that are happening. And they have an infinite number of inputs now because everybody has cell phones and with the internet. So you can just focus on, you know, only certain things, ignore other things, and string those certain things that you select to put on your, you know, top headlines feed in such a way to support whatever narrative or political agenda that you have. I mean, it's always been like this, but just the, 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 the power to do that now so if your thing is racial identity politics there's going to be an infinite number of stories about identity and race and you can just put nothing but that on your your newsfeed which is essentially like what npr is these days which is driving me crazy i used to love listening to npr back in the day and now you know i use the npr news app and it's just like the you know, identity, politics, times. I mean, it's just everything is nothing but seeing what's happening in the world through the perspective of identity. 
taking, you know, from the infinite things that are happening and either looking at them through the lens of race, identity, gender, whatever it is, or just focusing on anything that could possibly have that angle. And it just gives you this illusion that, uh, that that's what everything is about, where it's just, it's just a choice to, to choose to look at things that way and to only focus on stories that really have that angle. And it just seems too narrow to me. It's like, oh my God, do we, does everything have to be looked at through this perspective? Um, and every little uh, media niche is doing the same thing. You have to find your niche, find your audience, and you figure out quickly what they want, and you give them more of it. And then once you have your audience that can keep you making money and getting advertisers, you're just going to lean into whatever that little piece of the uh, audience population is because, you know, there just is no universal um, narrative now. There's no news that everybody watches. There's no movies that everyone watches. There's no music everyone listens to. So you have to get your little piece and you have this audience capture phenomenon where um, you want to get to so many thousands of followers or Patreon supporters or subscribers. And if you get to that certain number of thousands of paying subscribers, say, in the subscriber model, then you are you can make a living. And once you get that, you want to keep it. And um, so you're going to have almost an infinite number of these uh, nodes giving one small perspective. And if you get too stuck in one of them, you get a very warped sense of what's quote-unquote happening in the world because you're just getting this little small um, spin zone at a time. So if you're consuming news and media, you really have to uh, grab from a variety of sources and really think about the perspective they're coming from and really scrutinize the assumptions. But who's doing that? Not many people. Most people I know are very happy to just draw from the one source that makes them feel good, that reinforces their sense that they're on the right side of history or a good person or, you know, and it's just, again, it's all about attention. That selective attention, that the social attention aspect whatever you pay attention to, you know, becomes your concern and whatever you ignore just fades into the background. And, uh, when that process is being manipulated by ideologues and incentive structures to just extract your attention and take your resources and reallocate it to, you know, advertising agencies who then, give their resource to the media network. It's just these misaligned incentives are really corrupting every institution from the media to science itself. I mean, again, I, I do get annoyed with the, for lack of a better word, the woke turn in elite society. And uh, even prestigious science journals and Scientific American is one where it's like now it's just I can't even believe some of the stuff that they publish when it comes to 
you know, that oh, social justice vibe that's like so over the top. Um, and again, it just has to do with they're trying to survive and sell subscriptions and they figured out who their audience was and kind of what angle got the most engagement. And they leaned further and further into that before you know it. Um, they're just a different thing. And that's how it is. You know, I'm focusing more on left-leaning things, but it's the same way, obviously, on the right. And you look at how kooky the political parties are now, right and left. You see the same process of the extremes getting more extreme and a lack of uh, focus on common humanity and the pluralistic perspectives and weaving them together in an integrative fashion. So I think I'm, in, you know, I'm obviously interested in that as well, but I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. I just had a lot of these thoughts floating through my mind. I've said it a million times. Attention is everything. And sometimes you just have to have a brain dump like this to get those thoughts out. Um, and I haven't been doing any of the shit that I said I'd be doing, like writing in my journal every day as a method of making that happen. Again, what do I do in the morning instead of writing my journal? I'm just consuming, you know, Twitter and YouTube and social media. And, and then it's time to go to work. I could have spent all that time um, on some creative endeavor. And... You know, for every hour of YouTube content I consume, I could be in my studio creating something. Um, to what end? That's a whole other question. I mean, does it even matter in the end? I mean, no one's listening to this and no one's going to listen to anything I do creatively. But it really isn't about that. Again, it's just the quality of my own attention. It's what does it do? What does being creative do? to my mind. It's the same thing. It's like when you go for a long walk, it's not just about the exercise and how awesome it feels to go for the long walk. It changes your whole day because your, your mind is open and clear. And then everything you do throughout the day, every social interaction you have, your relationships, you know, the way you interact with your spouse, the way you do your job, everything changes for the better. Because you've devoted that uh, that time to changing your your attentional configuration into this more open present direction. So it's not so much about the product of the creativity or the acknowledgement or other people we even look hearing it or looking at it at all or listening to this at all. It's just what does it do? To my mind, how will the rest of my day be now that I've taken this time for the brain dump? I don't know, but if it's like all the other times I've done it, it'll be a positive thing. So as long as it is, I'm going to keep doing it. I guess I'm going to wrap up here, sitting in front of my computer. And it went to sleep. It looks like I've been babbling for about a half an hour, which sounds about right. So I'm going to sign off just total random thoughts vomited out of my brain hole and uh we'll see i will catch 
you all, and by you, of course, I mean me listening to this later on, if at all, later. So, bye.